Charlie, are you really renting your potential? Like, is there not more in you? You could, you could absolutely keep going, right? It's, it's a big thought. Welcome back to the Wild Goose Chase, where we help you to grow your business, build wealth, and live a life by design. And today's episode is all about doing all of those things, in fact. The guest that I have on today, is now, his name is Charlie Valor, and he has you know, built and exited a few businesses. He's built a significant property portfolio. He's achieved financial independence. But more specifically, he has created a... He's really spent the time to create a life by design. So we talk about what that means and how other people can get there themselves. So we talk about how to set the right goals, what are the kind of steps you need to go through, how do you overcome the emotional challenges once you start to pass a precipice, and how to kind of align yourself to the best to become the best version of yourself. So it's a very insightful episode. Um, there's some really good takeaways, some practical steps that you can follow to start to live a life by design in and of your own right, in your own way, in, in whatever way that means to you. Some really great thought-provoking questions in there as well. So um, before we get into the episode, please make sure you subscribe. It really means a lot to me, but it also really helps the show. We have been focusing on trying to get really high caliber guests who've really got great messages because um, really I want to try and change as many people's lives as possible. In fact, my goal is to change a billion people's lives around the world. This is just the start. So welcome and thanks for being on the journey with me as well. But it really makes a big difference if you can subscribe and like and share this with somebody else that might benefit from this too. So without any further ado, let's get stuck right into it. I'll see you on the inside. Hey guys, welcome back to the Wild Goose Chase. Joining me today is Charlie Valor. Now, Charlie is someone who has managed to create a life that he doesn't want to retire from, which is pretty bloody good, I think. And I think that is um, something that a lot of people probably aspire to. Or if they haven't thought about it, when they hear that, they might think that's pretty interesting. Charlie, how are you today? I'm excellent. And it is pretty bloody good, I will say. <laughs> I enjoy it a lot. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. So what I'm, what I'm interested in digging out here in this episode is really trying to understand you know, what does it take to create a life that you don't want to retire from? Because a lot of people, have, they're on this kind of quest to achieve some degree of financial freedom. But I don't think a lot of people really think about what that means. And also, what are they going to do on the other side of it? So I kind of want to unpack sort of some of the, some of the you know, practicalities around that. And then also why you have achieved, you know, a certain degree of financial freedom, but you haven't just sailed off into the distance. I'm interested to, to kind of unpack some of that. But what, be, what would be helpful for a bit of context is to, could you just give us a bit of a background? You've, you've, you've owned and exited different businesses. You're a pretty successful real estate investor. Do you want to give us the kind of Cliff Notes version of that just so we can set up some context on which to build the rest of the conversation around? Yeah, let's go for it. So uh, I'll give you a dot-pointed journey. There's plenty that's happened within this though. So uh, high school dropout proudly. So I dropped out of school in year 10. I was uh, playing in a band and thought I was going to be a successful musician. Didn't, didn't go the way that I expected. Turn, turns out the curveballs in that industry. Being I hadn't paid attention in school, I actually did a plumbing apprenticeship. So qualified as a plumber, thought that was going to be my path, right? I was very interested in property. I had these ambitions of, you know, doing renovations and even did a couple. One big problem with that is that I just hated it. <laughs> Wasn't for me. Secretly, although not so secretly, I was getting up plumbing during the day and then I was working online in the afternoons and evenings and even on the weekends and eventually made the transition into online business. I was very fortunate. My first online business was an eBay store that did quite well, but I got in way over my head and uh, ended up actually selling that business to one of my competitors. I thought the business was the problem. I didn't realize I was the problem. So I picked another business and ended up starting a marketing agency, which was my second business. That did quite well. I got that up to 15 staff and seven figures. 
and then was able to make an exit on that one as well. A competitor in the SEO space, which I don't know if, uh, how specific we wanted to go there, ended up wanting my client list. So we did a deal and I was able to make a transition on that business as well. After that, I got into the BPO industry, which is how we first met Goose. Um, what is many, many years. B- BPO? So for anyone who's not in uh, the language of BPOs, uh, it's what I would call a VA agency. Essentially, we were a recruitment agency for Philippines staff and providing them to Australian business owners. Mm-hmm. So while I'd been in the previous business of building the agency, how I developed a bit of an edge is that I was one of the earlier adopters to, uh, let's say, overseas arbitrage. So many agencies in Melbourne were just hiring people in Melbourne. That was a very expensive uh, proposition versus I had maybe half my team in Melbourne and half my team in the Philippines in this case. So we were way more efficient with our costings, which made us very competitive, not to mention that I could just undercut uh, many other people. And that was a method I used to acquire work back back in that but did the bpo thing we got up to a team size of over 100 and uh, that was a interesting challenging and i'll say just awesome learning experience i learned a lot from that like a lot about people and management and just uh business dynamics in a very very different way after that so that business i'll say made an exit but ultimately uh made the choice to kind of wind that one back just due to some environmental factors that occurred there I then started the media company. So uh, that's what I do today. I have a media company called Valor Media, which um, we produce this podcast and many of the other great uh, podcasts you do as well, Goose, uh, which has been, again, I I guess on this one here is that I had looked at what had been occurring and caught a big wave. I got the idea that podcasting was going to become something much bigger than it was uh, at this point. I was obsessed with podcasts and they'd made a huge impact and changed on my life and wanted to essentially do more of it. It was something I was interested in. I could see an opportunity and has turned out to be a very, very, um, I'll just say good business to do. I've enjoyed it a lot. It's been very rewarding from not only profits, but enjoyment. Right? I've really enjoyed this business from there. And then to the side of that, you mentioned before, is along the way I've been Oh, I guess you could say, uh, no, I'm just going to say it, completely addicted to real estate. <laughs> I, I love it. Yeah, awesome, awesome. I love that. So I want to, um, I kind of want to go back a little bit. You mentioned, you said that you were over your head. You said yeah, when you had the eBay business, what made it over your head? Like what, what made you feel like, oh, like I'm out of my depth here. I've got to get rid of this thing. All right, so um, I what I was doing, uh, when eBay first started, right, the whole game was you had to be in the country um, you were in to sell from. So like Australians could only sell to Australians, uh, the US could only sell to the US and like that's how the game worked. So essentially what I did was an arbitrage business. So I would use a VPN, which I think is commonly known today. I would get on eBay USA and then I would uh, get on eBay Australia and I would compare the prices. So I would go, look, I can buy this product in the States um, and ship it to Australia for this and then uh, I can sell it in Australia and then I would look to make a spread on that difference. Now, I was doing uh, some pretty reasonable sides deals in the men's hair loss space. So I would buy uh, one of the products I had was like Rogaine, which I think is the commonly known one. So I'd be calling up pharmacies in the US and like ordering boxes. I'm like, I'll take all your stock. They loved me because I was paying retail rates uh, at mass to get things to Australia, pay the shipping in bulk, and then I was selling it here. I'm like, well, I was making a good spread on that. But then one day I had this genius idea. I'm like, oh, like ordering things from China sounds like a great idea. So I, I got on AliExpress and started, uh, which or Alibaba, 
and started looking for like hair loss products and bringing them into the, the country. And then eventually uh, I make this order and it comes in and I get this letter from customs. <laughs> and uh, do you know what's interesting that you don't think about when you're maybe 22 is like if you bring in a large amount of chemicals that are unlabeled into the country, that people might have questions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. Right. That only takes a couple of times when you, your stock is incinerated because you don't, well, to be fair, like I didn't know it was in it. Like I'm, you know, making handshake agreements on Skype with people I've met to get things sent here. And whether it was real or not, I don't know. And I'm like, I, I really got a, a, a big hit on reality on like what it was to be in that space. And I realized that while I think there is a level of, I'm just going to say, ignorance that is required to get into business. Like if you truly knew all of what it was required, you probably wouldn't do it. Mm. But I realized that I was uh, young and just a bit silly on things and got caught out where I was like, well, hey, um, I'm not necessarily in the business of or wanting to be in the business of supply chain logistics and product formulation of chemicals to repair hair loss. Mm. This is something where I'd much rather move on from that. And what I was enjoying was the marketing. So like I was really good at eBay SEO and getting things to rank and creating bundles and like that's how I hedged into that world. Interesting. So you ventured into uh, business because you wanted to escape from being a plumber, right? Is it safe to say that in the first instance, you are running away from something rather than running towards something? And if so, at what point was there a conscious emotional transition from like running away from the thing you didn't want to then running towards the thing you did want? And when did that happen? Yeah, so I probably wasn't aware of it at the time, but uh, you know, hindsight's a really powerful thing. So growing up, one of the things that's been uh, interesting that I at the time saw as a disadvantage that later became one of my greatest advantages is that uh, my parents actually bankrupted. So uh, to give you an idea of that, my father had a workplace accident. He wasn't necessarily super reckless with money or had something happen, but he had a business, he had a workplace accident, and then that ultimately led to some very difficult financial times for our family. Because of that and experiencing uh, money challenges in our youth, so growing up in a household that uh, we had money and things were good and then we didn't have money and then things were not so good or frame it that way, I had grown up with a set of beliefs around money and also had like a lot of fear mentality around it. So I was quite scarce. So the reason I got into plumbing, to put it bluntly, is like all the plumbers that uh, my dad was a builder, as I referenced, all the plumbers look to be fairly well off. So I'm like, well, this is clearly a place where money is made. So I got into it from a position of wanting money, not necessarily loving the thing. Um, mm. And like plumbing is, uh, while you can certainly make money in it, is it's a pretty full-on career. It's like heavy on the body. There's a lot to it that people don't necessarily appreciate, which it's very hard work. And it only takes, you know, a Melbourne winter where you're standing on a drain trying to make sure it doesn't float in the trench at 5 a.m., when it's freezing, that you suddenly realize, oh, there's a bit more to this. Those, those experiences weren't necessarily what I was looking for in my life. Um, that, however, was like a fueling towards like the desire and chase for money, not necessarily enjoyment. Mm. So from there, though, when you, when you then went, okay, I'm going to go start creating all these businesses. I'm going to try eBay. I'm going to try and do this other thing. It seems like that was when you decided, okay, I want to actually have a purposeful existence, right? You were running away from that context of like, I don't want to be this anymore. I want something different. Where I'm kind of getting to is uh, lifestyle design. Because to, to me, as someone who knows you, 
um, it seems to me that that has been a process that you've gone through to go, okay, what do I actually want my life to be like? And then what steps can I take to actually get me closer to that life? And so in the context of, in the context of that, you know, what, how did you, when did you really start to consciously think about, well, what do I want in life and how am I going to get it? I'm interested to, to, to kind of understand where that pivot point was in the journey specifically. Yeah, great question. Um, to, to answer the second part of the question first, because that's what a good podcast guest does, right, instead of actually <laughs> answering the question. Um, the, the point I make there is like uh, when I hit a point of being financially independent, that mm. was a huge shift on like when I put much more into lifestyle design. I really did. So mm. in my mind, uh, and this is all around a set of beliefs I had, was like solve the money thing first and that had been reinforced by uh, people like Naval, who I love, <laughs> and then it's like you can work out the other things. Um, mm. If that's actually true or not, I don't necessarily think so. You know, you can completely have better lifestyle design, but this is just the approach I took. So for me, it wasn't uh, until after I'm going to say the BPO where like my mentality had been like grind and earn and provide for your family and s set yourself up. Like my, uh, I worked a lot. I didn't look after my health very well and I didn't have good balance in the other areas of my life, whether it's relationships, friendships, hobbies, like I worked a lot. Mm. Um, however, like it was worth it. So I was being very heavily rewarded for the work I was putting in. I didn't hate it to be clear. It's not like I was suffering immensely like business is fun and I was enjoying what I was in business but it's by no means not the lifestyle design I have today where mm. the the flipping of the switch where I've said hey you've really got to readdress this is when I hit that point of financial independence is well now why would you continually grind in business if it's not what you truly want like the uh the outcome doesn't fit the means like the inputs and output outputs kind of started to mismatch yeah, so you have built a pretty substantial property portfolio as well. What do you think has been the biggest, what would you say, what are kind of the, the contributing factors to financial independence for you? Has it, was, it, was it like once you could build a property portfolio big enough, that was the trigger or was it because you can make a lot of money in business, right? And so it seemed like you'd kind of work that out. So it wasn't necessarily that making enough money was the problem. So talk to me about the relationship between business and property for you in reaching that pivotal point. Yeah, so I think this will uh, help set some context. Property is a business to me, right? So like it's just a different business. It has different leverage, different mechanisms, and the big one here is different time commitments. So in the businesses, like I, in my mind, have my active business and then I have my property business. And the reason I call my active business the active business is because the reality is, is if I stop, so does the business. I also look at what I do for active business, which is the media company. And the realities is um, it's not as permanent as land. <laughs> yeah. So there is an ability to make good money, like really good money in what I do and many of the avenues around that. But will that industry even exist in five years? And with some of the things we're seeing in AI, I do wonder. Um, but the property business has a different set of dynamics, but it's still a business. Like I still get a P&L done. It, uh, and we still run it like a business. Like there's a lot of that mentality. So uh, it's just different worlds that I really consider it at. Now, to your point, when you know I was making and still am making good money in the active business world, but I more consider that that creates cash, but it doesn't necessarily have the compound value in the same way that property's been able to. So my personal approach has been that if you're going to pursue active businesses that don't necessarily have asset value, 
which is the world I'm in, then one of the better ways to counter and play with that is to take the profits you make in a business like that and put it into something like real estate, or if that's not your flavor, maybe it's index funds or a variety of other businesses or things you could invest in. When I consider myself financially independent though, and this is the terminology I use is going, well, if you stopped, like you just went to bed and you decided I'm done, I'm not doing this anymore. How long could you live? And is that perpetual? And for me, I'm at that point. So with the amount of assets I have now at this point, essentially there's enough compounding and rent and all the things that come in where it will look after me and my family for the rest of my life, regardless of what I do. And um, I think that's a very special place to operate from as a business owner, because it changes the risks you can take. It changes the lifestyle you can do. It, it really shapes things up in a very, very different way. Yeah. So how did that change your, when you achieved that, How what changed for you? Like when you woke up one day, like talk to me about that specific moment that what was the emotional transition that you went through once you realized that you'd achieved that? Yeah, it was significant. Um, it's, it's a very interesting day and not in the way I expected. And I would also say lifestyle design isn't what I expected or living a life you don't want to retire to, where it's, uh, I think we build these envisionments of like, okay, like, you know, you just like sit on a beach and stuff. <laughs> yeah. It's not that at all, um, which, is, which is really fascinating. So, that, so the day it actually happened is I listened to a podcast about uh, a financial independence calculator and I decided I wanted to put my numbers in the calculator and see, you know, am I financially independent? So I went in and I put my numbers into the calculator and it kind of it hit me in that moment that I'd crossed the threshold. So I hadn't actually re- realised it to this point. I'd probably been financially independent for a, a year mm. but wasn't necessarily living in that identity. So, again, if you don't know it, like, how would you? But Yeah, that's, that's, that's really interesting. So, you, so, so what, like... Correct me if I'm wrong, but in that moment, like up until that point, you were still chasing after that goal. You were like, right, I'm going to get to this point. And so in, a, in an instant almost, you've gone from like, I'm still running in this race, climbing up this hill, moving towards this ephemeral goal, which I don't know, to I won the race. Not only that, it's like I was well past the finish line. It's like there was a 100-meter race and I was like 200 meters down the road and I'm like... Right. <laughs> <laughs> what what shifted for you in that moment? Like, what changed? What? How did that? How did that alter your? Firstly, how did that alter your um, perspective? But also, how did it alter your identity? Because that would have been a uh, an interesting kind of moment. You hear about like these kind of pivotal moments, like when, a, say, for example, when a business owner exits a business or sells their business, and they if they don't have a plan, they usually end up in a situation where they're just like feeling lost and confused, and you know really out of sync and that you know they've lost their purpose and all of that kind of stuff because a big shift has happened in their identity going then in that same mode yes you haven't like suddenly let go of everything and you have this big void but having this very this big transition in identity from like i'm chasing after the thing i've now got the thing how did that change for you yeah uh so day one uh, i mean i actually felt lost I, I really do. And there was like, so like, uh, I don't have to do, I don't have to go to work today. Why am I? Right. And then it's like, I hadn't necessarily had those conversations or confronted that point. And I, it, while I knew I was on this journey, I w- always had put off the idea of like, oh, you'll confront this when you're a bit closer. Like, you're not there yet. Don't worry about it. Like, just keep focused on making progress to it. Don't worry about it after you hit this. So, wholeheartedly I was lost and I think the analogy you've used there about like maybe you've been an athlete your whole life and then you're suddenly not an athlete it's like well who are you 
And that initial point was definitely a bit of, I'll say a bit of despair and questioning. Mm. And like, I'm reading the deeper books on the philosophy of life. I'm delving into personal development stuff more and more. And eventually I had this like really beautiful uh, breakthrough though, that turned from, and I'll frame it up in a way, which was that get to not have to, right? And it was like, well, you don't have to go to work. You get to go to work or business. You don't have to, you know, build more wealth. You get to build more wealth. And then I got to this really like fun, playful things. It's like, you've been gifted with like, you don't have to play by the rules at all anymore, right? You can literally, if you want to run a business this way, do it. Like Mm. if you want to uh, do obscure things during the middle of the day, do it. Like you can, if you want to uh, live in a location, if you want to make these changes, like it all becomes that. And even that, the amount of choice that opens up to you is like overwhelming in this new identity. So the thing that existed is almost like the pit of despair and then a really beautiful place to operate from, like a really, really powerful place to operate from. And that's where I started really taking more note of like who I work with. Like, is this really who I want to be working with if we don't have the constraints? What we do, how many hours, what are the intensities? Like, and across this journey, like I've uh, also had a son, is thinking about, well, how much time do you really want to be at work versus uh, how much time do you want to be spending raising your son? Like, and the activities, which is is a really, really fun thing as well. It's super interesting. It's interesting you mentioned the pit of despair because I've been um, ruminating quite a bit lately over the dip. You know, you, you might be familiar with Cisco and the dip and that kind of like you start, the start of the curve is irrational exuberance where you, it's all, you know, oh my God, this, everything's going to be wonderful and fantastic. And then you sink into the pit of despair where you're like, oh my God, this is way more confronting and challenging than I thought it was going to be. And then once you can transition out of the pit of despair, um, uh, then, then, then life, then things start to go good again. And, you know, there's loads of analogies in business and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And so it's very interesting that you use that, that, analogy there and it's interesting to think about like that first stage you know the irrational exuberance this like think of think about it in the context that we're talking about here it's like when i achieve this thing oh my god life is going to be magical i'm going to be traveling it's like rose-colored glasses daffodils are going to bloom as i walk down the street i'm going to be in this uh, abundant state when in reality unless you've actually prepared for like what 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 happens on the other side of that it can be pretty daunting right and so i'm curious to go back a little bit because do you you achieved wealth financial freedom then had that moment then said i'm now going to actually start to go well how have i made up my days and are these days made up in a way that are bringing me the most amount of joy so do you think that like do you think like would you go back if you could go back and do change it like would you have started to design your life as if earlier on like what would you change what would you have done differently yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So if I could go back, I think one of the things I would change is better measurement of how close I am to the goal, right? I think that would be a thing. So if you are the type of person that is seeking to do what I've done, where it's become financially independent, independent and make adjustments, I think being aware of how close you are is a really huge thing because that was a year I could have had in time. So if you're in the endless pursuit of more, not really aware of what you need to be financially independent because you just believe it's more. I'm certain there's people out there that have spent decades over chasing things that aren't necessary and that time is the ultimate loss. Uh, And then the second point of that is that in knowing that, could I have been better prepared? And I I often wonder, because you asked a really great question there, I think a bit of the pit of despair is necessary. Like Mm -hmm. I think 
pain uh, and is a great motivator. I also think that that is the thing that can lead to really good action taking. So if I had started preparing more before it, maybe I would have done it half-assed or done it Mm. in more of a a pseudo-confront where when I was forced into that situation, I took it more seriously because I had a real like, if you're not going to stay in this mess. Like Mm. what was the point of becoming financially independent if you're going to stay in a pit of despair for 30 years or more? Mm. Like it, it really seems like that is part of it. Just like in business, sometimes I think it's good to know a little bit about it but a lot of the unknown is actually required. So I'm interested in your opinion on this. The struggle is what makes us strong. It is the, it is the act of pushing ourselves that builds character, helps us to achieve more, be a better version of ourselves. You know, you can apply that to exercise. You know, like uh, exercise might make us feel good, but, but more often than not, like the act of doing it is, <laughs> can, be, can be challenging, right? So I bring this up because a friend of mine I was talking to recently, he's also, uh, he's well and truly financially independent. And it was right, interesting because he has downregulated his capacity to take on um, stress and challenges to, to the degree that we were talking about it. And he was like, dude, any more than like, any more than like 10 or 20 hours a week of work, I'm, I'm beat. I'm like, dude, I got to take a couple of days rest. And it's like, that's fascinating um, because I am someone who, who works uh, a lot, you know, a lot. And, and so that'd it, be a day for you, right? 20 hours a day, you'd be, you'd be able to handle that, I imagine. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. And it's like, like I'm, I'm curious around the motivation then, you know, because it's kind of like if you've achieved the thing, like because a lot, a lot of the time the quest is, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go and achieve this level of greatness. And then if you achieve that level, whatever that level may be to the individual, how do you stay motivated to continue to want to push yourself to find new challenges? What a great question. Um, there's, the way I would articulate that or the way I'm thinking about it is there's different seasons, right? Mm. So there, in my case, there was the earning season. Right? There was the, I'm going to tick the money box. And then after that, you actually get to play different games. Like you, uh, what's, what I realized and learned very quickly is that humans are wired, or maybe it's just me, I won't put this on everyone else, is that they need progress in their life. So for me, I found other things to challenge myself uh, in the world and that, and some of that is still business, clearly, like I still do business, but it's different. It doesn't require the same mentality. So like I, I absolutely once upon a time used to work the massive weeks as well, but I did that, um, but that's not required for this season. Um, I challenge myself in other ways though because progress is really, uh, I think, healthy for us. So for example, Goose, have you played golf? No, well, actually, I have, but I'm not going to go into the the details of it. But let's just say I haven't played it sober, and I haven't done it in the last like ten years. <laughs> that shit is hard, really hard. <laughs> uh, it was very hard I- when I was doing it too, but maybe just for slightly different reasons. <laughs> Cooking, right? Cooking is hard. Like I, I know it's easy to uh, look at some of these things, but you only have to look at some of the highest level chefs in the world, mm. and you realize that that is a difficult thing. Where I've looked to other things that I've wanted to have in my life. And mm. what being financially independent for is allowed me to pick things that don't necessarily, ha- necessarily have financial outcomes. Mm. So challenging myself with cooking has been excellent at skill development. Uh, it's also you know, one of the things I look at for my health and longevity. Golf is a sport I'd uh, loved before business and played before business, but I gave it up so I could dedicate my life to having a successful business. Mm. And I'd always said that one day I'm going to get back to this 
And now the opportunity is there. It's like, well, why aren't you doing this? Mm. You've got an opportunity where you can enjoy golf. And uh, like I play on Mondays and Fridays, right? just really to rub it in that I actually can have an independent life. Not to mention that I also don't play on the weekends because it's super busy and it's crappy to play when the grass is crowded. Sorry, when the mm. course is crowded. Um, but it's like just there's some of the things that you get to do. And I think for all of us is like, like uh, I give you one here, Goose. I know you've got music in you. I know it's in mm. you because it's in me. And it's like, you know, would it not appeal to you in some way or form to do something more with music at a point? Dude, hundred percent. I, I I think regularly. I'm like, well, what would I do if I couldn't do business anymore? And I'd probably be. It'd probably have something to do with music. So these are the things you get to allow back into your life. That and look at the smile on your face. Yeah, right? it's like I can see him. He's like, yeah, I'd have, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm there. I'm, I'm DJing. I'm like, you know. <laughs> Yeah, totally. Completely. So these are the elements of us we we get to enjoy in this season mm. is is where I really endure it. And then the other side of it is like the kids thing, right? Getting to set an example for a kid. So it's like for me, the idea of becoming financially independent and then just like not doing anything in life is like I don't feel is a great thing to set as an example. So I want to make sure that I attain standards because I uh, I won't say I'm a parenting expert, but I will say it's very clear to me Jack will do what I do, not what I say to do. So mm. modeling is really important for me. How do you get over the guilt? Let me expand on that a little bit. Um, we are as a you know as a society taught things like hard work is good and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and a lot of people's and I might just be talking about myself right now, just quietly. That's cool, but a lot of people's identity is tied up with their ability to to strive and to work hard and all of that kind of stuff. Did you have you how did you manage that transition from like a, a kind of like guilt uh, perspective? Like did you did you have to kind of how did you go through that? Cuz I'm sure that you've been a hard worker and like to be able to say I don't have to do this now and like it was there a piece of you that was sort of saying by not doing that activity anymore I'm failing and you know like was it did, did you kind of go through any of that kind of stuff? Charlie, are you really renting your potential? Like, is there not more in you? You could, you could absolutely yeah. keep going, right? Yeah, it's, it's a big thought. I, I so like that is hugely what I was confronted with. Like, I've been uh, very fortunate in my life that I like to think I've built some reasonable sized businesses. Mm. Do I really think that's all I'm capable of? And I, so I said, you know, well, you could work really hard for another ten years and see, you know, test that potential, and maybe I will at a point, but. I looked at that and many of the things that exist around that and I ultimately came to the conclusion that this is my life. So mm-hmm. when I'm when I'm 80 and I had these well, let's say I'm 8 in my 80s although I'm quite hopeful that in our 80s exoskeletons will be really good and we're really yeah. mobile and doing a whole bunch of stuff but I'd love to say 100 then but like when I'm 100 when I look back on this life what am I actually going to look on here prominently? Mm. And for me and this is a very personalized decision the pursuit of just, you know, going the part of working hard my entire life wasn't it. Mm. And I don't think it's it for a lot of people. I actually think it's the conditioning of society. I think it's a, a falsity that exists within these things. So for me, the journey really existed to get in, in those words there, get past the guilt and a lot of these questions, is I had to spend quite a bit of time on like the personal des- development side of things. So I've, in the more recent years, gone and done the work on myself to be able to deal with these things because it was really a lot of my own insecurities. So, Mm. uh, you know, what does it say about me if I'm not the business owner that's grinding all the time? 
you know, really is that just me concerned about what other people think? Many people go through their lives just trying to exist for what other people think, you know, the whole status game. How do you go about goal setting and life yeah. planning Practical, practically? Like how do you, how do you tackle that? Because what I, where I want to try and get to as we progress this conversation is I think we're touching on some really interesting ideas. What I want to try and do is I want to try and get some like practical kind of stuff on the table because a lot of people are probably thinking, okay, cool, sounds good. Right, I'm, I can okay. I can create a life where I don't have to. I can like let go of some of the guilt. I can live a better life. I can achieve all the things that I want. Wonderful. It sounds good. It sounds like Charlie's got it all sorted. But how Maybe. can people? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so um, Gary Keller. If anyone's familiar with the book, The One Thing, um, which Jay Papazan wrote, but but this by the by, Gary Keller in an interview once or somewhere um, said, "Choose your profits," um, and profits being P R O P H E T S. Like choose the. Choose the and he talks about this um, Jack Lelane, who was this fitness figurehead in the sixties, seventies, whatever it was, and he was like Jack Lelane was his prophet as it related to health and fitness. But he's like, I wouldn't follow him for a second in regards to faith and everything like that. And the point is that people have very rarely are people, you know, you know, have everything all sorted, you know. But but to the to the degree that you have managed to create a life where you're satisfied with what you've got going on. That is still an example for other people, right? And so, yeah, I'd love to know. Let's start breaking it down a little bit. Like, how can people start to build up the right mindset and the steps to get to with whatever that looks like for them? So, how do you how do you think about goal setting? All right. So, um, I'll state this, and this maybe is controversial, and maybe isn't. I actually think the goal of becoming financially independent uh, should be what people aim for first. Because what you can create on the other side of it is magic. And if you remove the excuse of money from people's lives, it's really interesting. It's a fun way to play. So for those of who are out there considering it, I would say it's been a really big positive for me. I don't think it's actually been the negative. I think if you can get yourself set up well early is it opens a lot of different doors for you. It really does. So does, so does that mean you know grind as hard as you can until you get there? Or talk to me about that. All right, so to answer that point, I don't think you have to grind to get there. I think that's a belief, mm. right? Uh, I definitely maybe should have listened to my own advice there. I thought grinding needed to be the case, but it's only later on that I've developed the skills to earn more and not grind, mm. right? It is a possibility. The years in business uh, towards the end of me becoming financially independent, I didn't work nowhere near as hard as the first couple of years. The difference was my skills. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, I'd love to kind of unpack that a little bit because I've spoken to a few people who were like, yeah, it was like in the first half or whatever, right, we'll call it, I, they were working really, really hard. And then in the second half, they now don't work so hard. In fact, I just had James Shramko on the show. So, he's a great example. Oh, the, well. the master, right? If there's yeah. ever been a guy that's worked it out, that department, absolutely. <laughs> and I'm, I'm curious though, like- can you can you swap that around, or is the fact that in the second half, so to speak, the fact that it is easier, is that a result of putting in the hard yards in the first half, or is it just that oh now I've opened a door and I can see things differently, and if I had the knowledge that I had in the third quarter, fourth quarter, and could go back to the first quarter, I wouldn't have ever had to do all of that work. Do you, do you think they're interchangeable, or do you think the outcome of being able to do things a lot easier and better is a result of doing it hard in the first instance. Can you swap those around? I think right, so that's a really good question. I love this so much. Is I think every, I think the grind is required. I really mm. do. I haven't met a single person. I'm happy to be wrong on this, but the people I know who have been successful for a period of their life in business or career, 
they went hard. And I think there's things that happen when you go through that that you don't necessarily appreciate. Like, for example, it's like uh, it shows you what you're really made of. It does. It You get to see what you're capable of. And there's uh, extremities in work ethic and all the rest of it. But inevitably, we get good at what we do. So, for example, uh, I, I'm in the ads business a lot of the first time I set up a Facebook ad, it took me a day and a half to set up one ad. <laughs> and uh, for anyone who's in that sport, I can do it in about 20 minutes now. But it's mm. like the what sits behind that is we become efficient. So when we go hard those early years in business is like we're actually becoming efficient in the skills that are required. to get, You're learning how to get a result, even if it's through trial and error. Mm. Now, could you speed that up with mentors, books, education, all the things? Well, we do. That's the thing. So for, mm. again, what I've seen it in myself, it's the relationships that compound. It's learning the skills that compound. It's you developing uh, the ability to execute, like building your team. is a whole bunch of stuff that goes into that that you get good at, which then in, the, let's say, the second half, you get to reap the rewards of. Mm. So that has been my own experience. Could you swap them around? Uh, I mean, theoretically, it's possible, but I haven't seen it. Mm. Uh, it. Would it have been possible for me? I got to say, no, I actually think that the journey I took was the required one. Mm. And I also think that if a business owner goes out there into the ideation of like, I don't need to work hard, that's probably more dangerous than I do need to work hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a really important thing to think about because um, a lot of people coming into business are going, I, I think that they, it is a chance that they might be like, huh, well, maybe I could just start by working 10 hours a week and still achieve the success. And it's like, well... You probably do need to put in the, the hard yards first. Okay, so I want to get through this because we started on a, on a pathway. So no, step number one is basically focus on uh, becoming financially independent. That was basically the kind of first step. Yeah, that, that would be my take on things. So if you, once you hit that point, then there's the crossover of like I've mentioned the pit of despair and things like that. And then once you go to it, the, the key for me that I would want to share with others is there's a stage that's required of actually, I suppose, becoming to know yourself. Mm. Right. So, and this is where a personal development journey has been really good to me. There's people like Martini, who I know you've had on the show as well mm. and connected with is like, I think a lot of us aren't really clear on our own values or the things we enjoy or don't enjoy. Right. So you have to really unpack that. So um, it's kind of, do you know, I, I have been challenged with this at times of like, well, why golf and why cooking? Mm. Right? Cause not everyone likes those things. Like for me to get up and play golf and then cook a really nice lunch it's a great day. I'll probably do that uh, later today, to be clear. But for a lot of people, that isn't their epitome of a good day. That sounds like a horrible day, hmm. a potentially frustrating one. So you have to develop and find what's true for you in the next part. Because if hmm. you're going to live your version of a life that you don't want to retire from, it's very circumstantial on you knowing what you don't want to retire from. So getting to know yourself after this post-chasing money thing is different. Because the same things that work don't work, right? Uh, cooking and playing golf aren't going to work for me in the making money area. Mm. And I know people have developed businesses and careers in that, but I'm pursuing these as hobbies, not career paths here. Mm. Where if I was to spend my time doing those things or too much of it in the beginnings, it would be counter to the earning thing. So they don't necessarily get the enjoyment. But there's a rewiring process that goes through with it. So initially, uh, for me, let's say I went and played golf on a Monday, there was a like... <laughs> this feels weird, right? But that's just like, well, when you left high school and you got into your first business, I bet that felt weird too. Mm. Or when you went from primary school to high school, that felt weird, right? These mm. changes in lives are things that initially feel weird that we normalize. 
Like, and that has been certainly the process for me. The second thing is there's many things that I realized I said I enjoyed that when I did them, I was like, I don't enjoy this. I was actually really good at like lying to myself. And I think many of us are like, like you might go, uh, to, to use an example is that uh, many of us will say, oh, you know, like I, I want to drive a Ferrari, like might, might be a car ambition. And then they get the car and it's like they don't actually feel any better in the car. It was something that society approves of but actually doesn't mean anything to you. And I've had uh, quite a few of them come through on me and like particularly in fitness, to be honest, like, you know, going to the gym or participating in these things. I'm like, do you know what? I'm like, I'm doing this for an outcome that I'm not necessarily enjoying. Or some of the, like I bought a car like I and I had gone driving in that and not necessarily enjoyed it in a way that I mm. thought I would. So there has to be a level of like exploration in this journey of like you might try some things on and see how they fit, but ultimately then be okay with going, this isn't the thing I want. I'm going to bring something else into my time here that I do enjoy. Um, mm. I think that's a really important part of it. So the next stage of it is is getting to know yourself, being okay with trying things and then turning them off and on like mm. i actually suspected i would want to do less business i thought i would go full lifestyleist and maybe work one day a week or something like that not true i love the game of business business is really good fun like when you get to create something and bring it into this world and provide people with jobs and uh, have impacts on clients or see someone use your product and actually get, have an impact on their world that shit's fun like it, it really is uh, doing it at the expense of everything else in your life, not so much. Or, you know, having to make compromises in those areas are really different. That's kind of the next bit that sits in the practicalities. And then for myself, what I've done is like every year on my birthday, I actually do a review. That's where I look at it and go, am I consciously happy with the direction of my life? And I've got, I've got some little things I would put in there. And I think people will be able to relate to these. If anyone gets their calendar out and they look at their calendar, and they look at their appointments, if they look at the next appointment, there's a reaction that happens in us. You know straight away if you're looking forward to or not looking forward to something on your calendar. So for me, if I open my calendar today and I'm like, podcast with Goose, tea off time at two o'clock in the afternoon, going to pick up some uh, run at the butchers because I'm going to cook something tonight. This is a good, good day. Like I'm excited for this. So it's like I go, like this is becoming the guidance system of measurement is like that I can see those reactions is is one part of creating a feedback loop for me. Mm. The other uh, parts of it is journaling. I found journaling to be a really interesting thing in assessing it as well and giving yourself little cues to that. Let me ask about that because because when people hear journaling, a lot of people think, dear diary, today I went to the park or whatever the case may be, right? But how do you approach journaling in a practical sense to get keep your self-aligned with your values and vision like what in a practical sense yeah i think that journaling is one of those things that is misunderstood it's um you might think of it as uh, and i often do as someone we both admire does keith cunningham is it's really just thinking time mm. that's that that's what it is it's just the ability to take time for ourselves to think and i like to put a little bit of structure around it so to have some cues or things like that like i'm not i'm not necessarily trying to keep records of my life like I think many people think of journaling like having a diary, right? It's, it's not the same thing. Where in journaling, it's like I, I really like to uh, ponder uh, many things and sometimes I will just free write, but it's like what are the challenges am I facing? Am I happy? Am I enjoying my life? Like mm. is some of the things I really put into that and there's some other cues and there's many good uh, journaling formats out there, but for anyone that's considering that, like it, it's interesting if you have on, the, uh, on a piece of paper, are you happy? And you have to write something next to that. 
and you sit in it, right? Not just move on, but like for five minutes, like actually just five minutes, are you happy and you have to put that down? I think a lot of people would be uh, surprised. Mm. And then you ask yourself the question, well, what would you change in your life to be happier? And you may not have an answer right away. And it's like but not you... having the answer is 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 interesting as well. It's like, huh? Not sure. It's a yeah, very and if, interesting. At question. other times, you get a big pen and say, "Not a fucking thing. This is awesome. But mm. awesome. Keep going." <laughs> yeah, but it's good to have that in our lives. I feel okay. So going back to the first step, which is the biggest step, which is focus on becoming financially independent. I mean, that sounds easy when you just write it down like that. I mean, I've got a very small notepad here and it doesn't even take up a whole line. Focus on becoming financially independent. Oh, sweet. That's what I've been doing wrong the whole time. Without going into like, what's the best investment strategy and all that kind of stuff. But I'm interested to think about like, how can people think about achieving that outcome faster? Now, I'll prompt this a little bit because I think a lot of people have potentially set themselves up for lives which are making that harder. So, for example, they might have very expensive cars or whatever that, that case may be, or you can make things a little easier. So, for example, geographic arbitrage. So, right now I live in Bali. I live in Bali because I enjoy it. <laughs> I like it. Every time I come back here, I travel a lot. I'm like, Gabby and I are like, oh, man, we love this place. It's something about the environment that we really, really enjoy. But you could think about that. Now, geographic arbitrage also doesn't have to mean move to another country. It could be move into a smaller place or move regionally. Do you think that um, specifically focusing on how you adapt your current set of circumstances to achieve that first goal is a, like a critical step? Because otherwise, you see a lot of people, they're in their 40s, 50s, you know, whatever, and they've just, they're still chasing their tail and pushing that, that, that goalpost further and further down the road. So how would you think about tackling that from a macro level? Uh, it's a again a really great question here. So first off, I'd say what I notice is a lot of people uh, might pretend they have the goal to be financially independent, but they don't. Mm. So you you kind of mentioned like oh financial independence like as a uh, potentially like a little bit of a jokey comment on that, but the reality is most of the business owners we come across don't have that as a goal. Their goals are more tailored around size of company, not necessarily wealth. Is my finding. Mm. Like if I go speak to most business owners of ten million dollar company, a million's in profits, but there's like there's actually no conscious thought into well, if you're making that profit, what are you doing with it? Mm. Like where for me, I really shifted that to a net worth goal, and if you consciously change the goal, so will your behavior. Mm -hmm. So it's like oh, uh, if you said to someone, "Be healthy versus lose ten kilos," it's very different. So I think that for a lot of business owners, the they're not putting any thought into this at all and that simple change of making it a goal would have them view it and behave a little bit more differently. So mm. point number one. Uh, the next thing, my strategy that has worked for me, and I can only say it's worked for me, I can't guarantee it will work for anyone else, is that an active business is the vehicle which enables wealth creation. So I would not have been able to acquire the properties I have which have uh, done phenomenally in their own right and I don't want to discount that but ultimately, the secret source was that I was able to make money in business and invest heavily. So for the business owners out there, I think it's a very viable path because of what as uh, I've seen is that if you're able to extract good profits from a business, invest it well, that is the pathway to becoming financially independent in a very powerful way. Very, very powerful. That's the method I chose. Now, within business itself, though, where I've been able to uh, see and experience uh, good success 
although this wasn't consciously in the beginning, is actually being ahead of trends. Mm. So, for example, like eBay worked because I was an early adopter. Uh, my first agency was successful not because we were particularly great at what we did. In fact, we were, I would even argue maybe a little bit too cowboy, um, but because there was no one else doing Facebook ads and Google ads at this time, it was a very limited pool of people that were doing it. Uh, the BPO uh, business or the VA business, again, early adopter, and that even podcasting was an early adopter thing in, as well. So if you are someone that would like to make significant money, one of the things I look towards is going that Trends offers an immense uh, ability to get in front of big waves and essentially, and I love your statement of like, if you want a, a great way to make money is find out where it's going, stand in front of it and open your wallet, where that is essentially what's been able to be executed for me. Like that is the, the ticket in my world of how I've been able to achieve the things financially from business. How do you go about spotting and identifying trends to be able to stand in front of them? I think they're obvious, to be honest. Maybe initially, as I said, it was a subconscious thing where it's some of the advice I had gotten early on was that, for example, going back to where I was a plumber, is it was really hard to break into the plumbing industry because there was already so many other plumbers. So if I was uh, a young 20-year-old trying to start a, pl a plumbing business and I'm trying to buy machinery and trucks and I've got it at a factory and I'm competing against the guy that's been doing it for 20 years and already owns all of these things outright, and he's got relationships and contracts, freaking tough. I feel for a lot of the younger tradies out there because I recognize the barrier to being successful in that industry is hard when you are competing against a lot of old guard. So mm. I think that um, that is the reason. How do we spot these things? I think they're evident. I think you don't have to look too far to realize that the internet is still a big trend. I think that if you look to the boomers retiring, that's a big trend. Green energy, shocker. Like, uh, are any of these things really that obscure in identification? Not so much. Mm. Like, uh, you can literally, there is uh, companies out there, I think it's even called Trends, which is owned by Sam Parr from The Hustle, I think, or he may have sold it, I don't know, since. But there's a whole business out there establishing in finding trends. So you don't have to be good at spotting them yourself. You can look towards them. So let, let's say it's like, I'll give you another one right now that I'm looking at. All these boomers are getting old. They don't want to move out of their houses. It's like, do you think there's a trend in like lifts and mobility access things going on right now? Like maybe if you're a young chippy, instead of building houses, modifying them to be suitable for people to live in for longer might be a really good trend to get in front of. Yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting. That's definitely an interesting trend. No, I like it. I like it. How do you, I asked earlier, but we didn't actually get to it. Uh, and I'm very curious. Specifically, how do you go about goal setting? You said, you mentioned like um, uh, you periodically review your goals to make sure you're on, on the right path. What's the, what practical method do you use to, to actually set up your goals? What do you do? Yeah. So it's, as I said, I do it every year on my birthday is when I do the review, mm. but that's also the goal setting things. And it's like the magical question of like, well, what do you want? And I think that is probably one of the most powerful things to sit behind. Yeah. So uh, I asked myself that very challenging question. And then uh, the realization I had is that the danger is not picking. Right? So if you're sitting with that question, which we all are, right? We all are, what do you want? And whether you're aware of it or not, you're heading in a direction. And it's like, if you don't pick anything, someone else is going to es essentially do it, or you're going to end up by default. And I think for a lot of people out there, and this was uh, one that I see quite commonly and also experience is we end up a bit, bit of default path, go to high school, do some sort of education, get a job, buy a house, have a kid, work it out. And then, oh, sorry, work, raise your kids and then get to some form of retirement. Like that's the mm -hmm. most notable path. If you don't pick anything, that's probably what you'll end up on in some form. 
And then the thing I look towards is you go, well, what do you really want? And that again is a very, very confronting question. I realize that it's okay to pick something, try it. And then if it, if it doesn't work out, guess what? You can pick something else. Mm. Where the only real mistake I found in this exercise is not picking. One thing, I, one thing I would say on that is that most people get it wrong in the first instance anyway. Going back to like what you were saying earlier about like fancy cars and you know all of that kind of stuff. Like I, I specifically remember when I started asking myself these questions because we're programmed with certain ideas of what good looks like. You typically set goals or set visions of like, what do I want? And then it's like a bazillion houses and, you know, a rocket ship to Mars and whatever they, whatever these things might be. But as you start to lean into it and feel through these ideas, you actually go, nah, come in, it doesn't even mean anything to me. Like I have, for example, I remember when I very first was, you know, setting goals at, you know, I think, I think it involved having a Lamborghini or something like that. And then I'm like, dude, I, I I couldn't care less about cars. I don't even want a car. Like my my preference would be have zero cars. You know, like like what? <laughs> you know, but you get these ideas, and until you can feel through them, and I and I I did an exercise with our team um, the other week, talking about setting the vision. And one of the things I said to them is, I walked them through the process to do it, and then I said, by the way, when you do this, just be prepared that you're going to get it wrong. And most people are going to get it wrong and you'll continue to get it wrong for a really long period of time. But every time you iterate, you'll get closer to what is true. And I had a bunch of feedback from people that just actually giving them the permission to know that it's that they're going to get it wrong and that's okay actually removes a lot of the fear because a lot of people are scared of like, oh, but if I write down what I want, what if, it's, what if I get it wrong? Or what if I, ah, and it can be immobilizing. And it's like, well, that's okay. If you just accept that you're going to get it wrong, the first time you do the exercise, is you're not going to get it right. You will write down stuff that in six months' time, you're going to be like, gee whiz, I, what was I even thinking? I don't want that. But to your point, the act of choosing, the act of going through the process is the thing that gets you closer to the thing that you actually want. Completely. I, I concur with that in such a huge way. And maybe for some people out there, it's fear of judgment. Maybe it's the way they're judging themselves, which was something I was doing. Is like, you know, is it okay to have a have a goal of playing golf? Like, or you know, I want I want to be able to hit off eighteen goose mm. is what I'm working towards. Right, so handicap eighteen in this world, but it's like right. it doesn't need to make sense. It's for me. Like, it's not a wrong answer, but it's funny that you can feel that when you're deciding what you want, that there is a right and wrong answer. But it's very circumstantial for you. It's a it's a process of exploration or wayfinding if you were to meet someone in a bar or a cafe or any other place where you might just meet someone randomly and they were to ask you charlie what is the secret or what can you tell me in just a short bite how do how do i create a life that i don't want to retire from i know we've kind of walked through some stuff focus on getting financially advanced know yourself review your goals all that kind of stuff but just like in a bar room chat if someone said hey charlie how do I create a life I don't want to retire from? What would you say to them? Tune into this podcast. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> I think the biggest thing I could share on this topic would be that you have 100% choice and 100% responsibility, which is a, a quote from Jamin Fraser, who actually helped me immensely on this uh, topic, is just the acceptance of how much choice and responsibility you have. Like you can do anything. You can. And you already are creating something, so why not create the thing you want? Mm. I like that. I like that. I'm writing it down. Um, before we wrap it up, what is one contrarian belief that you hold to be true? What is one thing that you believe 
that you think challenges the status quo? <sighs> Contrarian belief. That is a really good question. Um, I think as a business owner, one of the things that's been very contrarian uh, for me is the so much focus on net worth, right? Taking profits out of a business to invest in other assets has been something that's been quite contrarian uh, versus uh, many people who believe in the business world that you just keep reinvesting in the business. Mm. So that's been a very contrarian approach uh, for me, I would say. Doesn't it make sense though to keep reinvesting in a business, grow a bigger business and then you know delayed gratification, you'll have a bigger payday down the line? Doesn't that make sense? Uh, completely. I, the evidence I have seen though has been very interesting. So in, in the experiences I've had, my method has worked for me. So I'd mm. have to look at that and go, well, if, based on what I want and maybe what someone else wants is different, that if you are looking to uh, be financially independent and live a life you don't want to retire from, that's a really good way to do it. The idea and risk that comes from reinvesting in a business to for a bigger ta- payday personally I think comes with significant risk and I think credit to those that have pulled it off and can do it because it's worked for some but I'm not sure it is um, the highest probability of success if you're looking to attain results like mine. Very well answered. Charlie, as always, I've really enjoyed our chat. Anything you want to contribute before we wrap it up? I think this has been well, hopefully helpful with some other people but definitely a thoughtful exercise. (laughs) You know, it's been good. I've written down a few questions because I I find that questions – are the key, in my opinion. And just a couple of questions that you mentioned. What do I want? Now, I ask myself, I do journaling and stuff all the time regularly. Um, But specifically simple questions like, what do I want? And am I happy? And what would need to change to make me happier? Questions like that can be very, very thought-provoking and can actually lead people down to a path of much greater happiness. And so I think there's some really interesting takeaways in there and some really good guidance and advice. So thanks so much, Charlie. I really appreciated it. Absolute pleasure, Goose. Thank you for having me on the show. Speak soon.